If your ranch struggles with profitability, maybe it's time to consider the difference between ranching principles versus ranching practices. A principle is like the truth that it's grounded in, okay? Mm -hmm. And then the practice is going to be how you or how I apply this principle. What I find is farmers and ranchers tend to get really hung up on practices. Dallas Mount, owner of Ranch Management Consultants, is my guest as we discuss the danger to the lifespan of your operation when focusing on the practices keeps you from adapting to changes in the industry. If we get stuck just doing the same thing over and over again, I mean, it's not about if your ranch will fail, it's when. But change can be tough considering our fear of failure. If 100% of the ideas that you implement on the place are working, well, you're probably not trying very hard. Principles over practices. It's not necessarily a new idea, but it is revolutionary when a ranch figures it out on this episode of the Working Ranch Radio Show. This is the Working Ranch Radio Show, and we welcome you. I'm Justin Mills. Glad to have you tuned in for our program. If you're listening, you are listening in one of the 83 countries that our program hits each and every week when we hit the broadcast button here in the Working Ranch Radio Studios. Glad to have you joining us a few weeks ago. In fact, did a shout out to our friends listening down in Australia, and today a special shout out to our neighbors up to the north, those listening in Canada. Glad to have you tuning in each and every week as you do. And for all of you, we hope you got your July up underway in good fashion. It's been an interesting weather situation for folks all across the country this year. Uh, for some folks, it's been cooler than normal. For other folks, a little hotter than normal. Meteorologist Don Day will be stepping in towards the end of our program here today and giving us an update on what he predicts to be the look of the weather here for the next seven to ten days out. So be sure to join us at the very end of our program when a meteorologist Don Day joins us. Up today, though, we are going to have Dallas Mount. He is the owner of Ranch Management consultants we've had him on our show before he joins us again as we're going to be talking principles over practices now just in general that just sounds like pretty topical maybe kind of wondering where that's going to go well as we said in the opening a lot of times these practices are the things that we do on a day-to-day basis and we maybe do things with really not a full understanding is are they the profitable things to do? Well, we're going to be looking at that and having a discussion on that. And uh, I think you'll enjoy the program here today. Definitely one that will be a thought provoker and a show that you'll probably want to go back and listen to again. By the way, you can do that by going to our podcast site at workingranchradio.com. Now, before we get too far, I wanted to mention this. I, I got an email from Kayla Walker, who's the director of programs for the Society of Range Management. Uh, earlier this year, we had them on as we were we're talking about their Good Grazing Makes Sense program. Now, they're going to be hosting an event coming up. I realize this is really short notice because it's this coming week, Tuesday, July 11th in Reno, Nevada, and it's in conjunction with U.S. Cattlemen's Association's Summer Business Meeting, and it's entitled From the High Desert to the Hill, and it's going to be a discussion on public grazing regulations, and it's not just a discussion amongst ourselves. This, we're going to be some top agency leaders there, including BLM, Senior Policy advisor Errol Rice and USDA Farm Service Agency Administrator Zach Ducheneau. So uh, two folks that will be there as part of that discussion. We know we've already had uh, a lot of news out there in regards to some of the decisions the BLM is making on grazing decisions. So two administrators there, uh, agency leaders that will be there to talk about that and to be able to bounce some questions off of. Again, that will be this coming Tuesday. It's going to be at the Silver Legacy Resort Casino beginning at 830. That is Pacific time. If you like more information, you can go to goodgrazing.org and find out more information on that. Right now, I would like to thank our sponsors of the Working Ranch Radio Show. All Flex, cattle identification and record keeping should be easy and now you can tie your visual tag, your EID tag, and your genetic data to one management number with the All Flex match sets. Find out more at their website at allflexusa.com. Inherit Select from Zoetis, providing commercial cow-calf producers 
producers with genetic insights to make replacement female selections and breeding decisions. If you want to find out more, their website is inheritprogress.com. The American Gelvie Association, a highly fertile, moderately framed cow that raises high-performing calves even in tough environments. Now that's doing more with less. The Gelvie cow's efficient use of resources make her the picture of sustainability in today's modern beef industry. Find out more at gelvie.org. And MLS Tubs. Don't gamble with fly control this summer. MLS Tubs are a sure bet. All kinds of tubs for all kinds of needs. Learn more about MLS Tubs at mlstubs.com. And finally, Tank Toad, your remote water monitoring systems, all from the convenience of your phone, powered by solar, satellite, and cell. To find out more, you can give them a call at 801-252-6135 or check them on their website at Tank toad.com. It's what we use here on the X-Ring Ranch. Well, the captain, Tim O'Byrne, is on the road this week as he is up in Calgary, Canada for the Beef Improvement Federation Convention. Sounds like he's had a good time and a lot of great information. He's been shooting emails back and forth about some of the speakers he's heard, some of the information. So I'm looking forward to visiting with him about all that uh, he heard there in Calgary for the latest Beef Improvement Federation's convention. He'll be back next week, so be sure to tune in next week as he will be back on for his edition of Tim's Two Cents. Well, stay with us. We'll take a break here. When we come back, we'll get into our featured topic here today as we're talking principles over practices. If you're scratching your head a little bit, well, stay tuned. You're going to find out what all that means when we return on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Don't gamble with fly control this summer. MLS tubs are a sure bet. MLS high-performance, low-moisture cooked molasses tubs provide controlled, consistent supplement delivery to your cattle, horses, sheep, and goats. MLS takes pride in their line of products that are proven to lower your feed supplement costs. All kinds of tubs for all kinds of needs. Learn more about MLS tubs at mlstubs.com. And we welcome you back here to the Working Ranch Radio Show. Justin Mills, as we head now into our featured interview and topic here for the day, joining me is Dallas Mount. We've had Dallas on before. He's the owner of Ranch Management Consultants, uh, the schools ranching for profit that are available out there, also the Executive Link programs. And Dallas, glad to have you back here with us on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Thank you, Justin. It's always fun to be on with you. Well, we've, it's been a while since we've chatted. I think the last conversation uh, you and I had was at the first of the year. We kicked off the 2023 year with episode 100, and it was why Junior shouldn't come back to the ranch. A catchy, <laughs> something that was kind of catchy there. Uh, coincidentally, I was looking back over some of the top shows since I've been doing this program uh, for Working Ranch Radio Show, and one of the shows that comes up in the top, top, I don't know, it's definitely in the top 10. I'm not sure where it's at in there is episode 62 that you did on why own cows. You still believe that, that, that top, that was an interesting show. That was, that was, I was, I was probably on a bit of a kick because <laughs> I was coming off doing a lot of schools where we were looking at really low gross margins in cow herds. Yeah. Right. And, and so that was probably a bit of a kick, but I, I still stand by the fact that um, of, of all the different things that we look at from, you know, from people that have ranches and run livestock owned cow calf is, is one of the least profitable things consistently mm-hmm. right now. I, I want to be clear. It, it doesn't mean it can't be profitable. Sure. Right. I mean, there's, there's certainly ways to do it that work, but uh, from, you know, of all the different things we look at, if you had to stack them up from enterprises that are uh, highly profitable, to those that are least profitable owned cow calf would, would traditionally be among the least profitable thing mm-hmm. a person can do uh, with grass and, and cattle. Well, and our topic here today is going to touch on maybe a question I would have in regards to that particular show, because uh, we're going to talk about how uh, we as ranchers need to be looking at uh, how do we adapt and change to different things. And you, as, as we were getting on uh, before we went on air here and we talked about our title of our show today, you said, boy, I don't know if that's, that seems uh, too, uh, uh, too scholastic or so it doesn't sound real catchy. Our title principles over practice. And, and I said, well, I didn't mind it. I didn't think it was too bad, but it's definitely not a 
as catchy as the last shows you've done, but <laughs> as you and I, well, were t- I I'm a, <laughs> go ahead. I, I don't want to be a uh, academic with, uh, you know, standing with my white coat on and my spectacles. Right. And yeah. So, uh, I, I like to keep things a little grounded, but, uh, yeah. but yeah, I thought it, I thought it sounded fine. I think it'll be a good show because I understand where you're coming from a little bit, but I, I want you to go a little bit more. When you said, when I, when we were talking before we scheduled the interview, you said, here's a topic I was wanting to do principles over practice. So let's just get start. I mean, what the heck are you talking about there? Okay. Yeah. So uh, let, let's, let's think of the words there, right? So principles versus a practice, right? So, so if I was going to define the word principle, right. I, I, and I often ask groups to do this with me and some things I hear are like, um, you know, a foundation, um, you know, the, the thought behind it is what people say. And, and the thing I, I really like is when somebody uses the word, a, a truth, Right. To, okay. to me, that really speaks well to it. So a, a principle is like the truth that it's grounded in. OK. Mm-hmm. And then the practice is going to be how you or how I apply this principle. OK. OK. So so a really good example of that would be like one of the grazing principles we teach at the school. The, the principle is allow the plants appropriate recovery. So, so like when we're working with clients down, you know, Florida, Louisiana, South Texas, right? Uh, appropriate recovery for them might mean 30 days, right? 35 days, mm-hmm. right? Uh, we get up into the drier parts of the world and, and you say, okay, I'm going to graze this plant in June. What does appropriate recovery look like? And for many parts of the world, that means not till next year, right? Or, or sometimes even longer than that. You know, there are some people that are saying, hey, like 18 months is, is what's appropriate in my environment. So, so the principle would be allow the plants appropriate recovery. The practice, how you apply that can look extremely different uh, with your ranch, with your environment, with your challenges, with your goals. Mm-hmm. So so that's what I mean is, is let's let's keep our conversation focused on on principles mm-hmm. and we can discuss and debate principles and dive into them and dig in. And then when it comes to, OK, now, how am I going to apply this principle on my ranch? Right. That can look all over the board. But what I find is farmers and ranchers tend to get really hung up on practices. Mm-hmm. Well, and I know as we were talking before we went on air, you said, you said, you know, one of the things that you really see as folks are coming to your schools and as you're visiting with folks out in, out in the countryside is it's almost like everybody wants this. Let me just buy this management package off the shelf and then boom, my ranch will be profitable. And it's not quite that simple. It's not that simple. It is not that simple. But I think that's kind of the way we're trained to think, you know, from early on is like, okay, what what do you use, right? What do you do? What do you, you know, how long are, are you grazing here? Or what, what kind of animals are you running? What breed of cattle are you running? What bulls are you using, right? All these practices that people uh, get caught up in and they feel like if I could just find the right combination of these practices – then I can just go on autopilot and follow the recipe every year and the ranch will work. And, and it's not near that simple. I mean, when I was with extension, uh, you know, the phone would always ring and, and one of the common questions would be, what do I plant or what do I spray this with? Right. Those would be probably the two most common questions is, Hey, I've got this uh, field out here. That's, that's looking really bad. Uh, what, what should I plant? And I'm like, well, what do you mean? Well, I've got these, you know, horses that I'm trying to graze on this thing and, and all, you know, none of the grasses are keeping and all the weeds are coming on. So what do I need to plant? Okay. Well, obviously anybody that knows anything about, you know, these things is what, what they plant is really irrelevant, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, if they don't get their grazing right, if they don't allow recovery time to happen, what you plant doesn't matter, but yet that's what they were, they were looking for is hand me the solution in a bag, in a bottle, in a block, Right. Whatever, whatever the thing is, let me write you a check for it. And then I'm going to go on down the road. And, and it frustrates me that, that, um, people aren't asking better questions, right. Aren't, aren't looking for, okay, what's the underlying cause of, of why this is going on or, or what's the principle and then figuring out how do I apply that principle to help me get to a better place. Mm-hmm. Well, and you had mentioned a bit ago too, you said it's kind of our society, kind of, kind of where we're at culturally that we just figure that, uh, and part of it is, is with the technology that we have nowadays, people can post, uh, here's the results I got when I did this or when I did that. And, and there's not much taken into account, as you said before, in terms of, well, 
where are you physically at? What were the conditions? There was a lot of different variables there. And, and we just have a tendency to want to really just, well, let's just, if that worked for him in South, uh, you know, Southeast uh, Oklahoma, well, it's got to work for me in Northeast Wyoming. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And, and, you know, we, we, we that have been ranching wild realize it's, there's a lot more to it, right? The guys at uh, soil health Academy would use the word context, right? There's a lot of different contexts we could, we could put those things into. So that kind of circling back around to our conversation about the cows, right? Mm-hmm. Is I get a lot of people that would say, well, what do you think? Should I run yearlings or should I run cows? Right. Well, that's that's looking for a recipe. Right. I, I mean, I can't hand you a recipe to say what's right for you. So the so the principles that we teach around that are, OK, let's figure out what our overheads are, figure out what our gross margin is of this enterprise and then figure out what our profit target is. Right. So we need those three pieces to really start to answer the question. OK, so so if I know uh, that maybe, Justin, maybe you you bought a ranch and maybe you're trying to service some some land debt on that thing. So that needs to be part of your part of your profit target is servicing that land debt. And then we're going to uh, look at your overheads. Right. You know, it, it's maybe you and another employee. Right. And then all the things that your ranch has. So now we've got the profit target and we've got your overheads. Well, now we can go back to it and say, OK, what what's how many animals could I run? What could be the scale of my business? And then what kind of gross margin do I need to hit those targets? Mm-hmm. Right. If, if we can do that gross margin with uh, with a cow herd that, that you've got on hand, well, then who am I to tell you you shouldn't run cows? Right. I mean, if you can achieve your targets with those things, that's what you want to do. That's what you know. That's what your passions are. Uh, and knock yourself out. Right. If if we get to the, that answer and you're showing me a gross margin that's two hundred and fifty bucks a cow. But we need a five hundred dollar gross margin to to hit these targets. Well, it's back to the drawing board for you, right? Because mm-hmm. now now we need to to plan that thing out. So um, that's part of what I mean when I say let's look at the principles and then let's figure out how to apply those to the situation. Yeah, yeah. So back to those real quick. The principles you said overhead, gross margin. What was the third thing you'd mentioned? Profit target. Profit target. Profit target. So, and, and those, I mean, that's, that would be the starting point really. And then we start to analyze, okay, enterprise mix. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yes. Uh, you got it. So yeah, we're going to figure out what, what is the profit target that you need to hit? And some of that might be related to debt service. Some of that might be, you know, Hey, I want to put away X amount per year for retirement. Right. Or, or those kind of things. Some people's profit target might be zero, right? If, if they would really be content and happy with nothing in profit, well, you know, that that's for them to decide, not for me to decide. Mm-hmm. Right. So what's your profit target? What's the overhead structure of the ranch? So then we add profits, plus overheads, right? So then that number, so so if you've got a $100,000 profit target, your ranch is $300,000 of overheads, you know, the things to keep the doors open on the ranch. So now we add those two together, we got a $400,000 gross margin target. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's what we need to service with, with gross margin from the animals. So keeping the math simple, if you've got a cow that produces a $400 gross margin, if you if we can run a thousand cows on your place, we're there, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna we're gonna cover those things. If you if you have a four hundred dollar gross margin, you tell me, well, I'm I'm only sized to run five hundred of them, right? Well, in order to hit those, we need to figure out something that's got an eight hundred dollar gross margin target, mm-hmm. right? So so that that's kind of how we use that when we when we look at the the, the economic principles and how do we apply those to a situation. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Interesting. Uh, Dallas Mount, my guest today, he's owner of Ranch Management Consultants. We're, we're talking at the overall title is Principles Over Practice. We've got a lot more to talk about as we look at this. We've already talked about a few things that give us a basis. We're going to expand in that to a little bit further when we come back here on the Working Ranch Radio Show. A sustainable ranch is one that can do more with less. And for beef producers, it can start right at the herd level with a cow that's efficient with her resources and environment. And in today's modern industry, Gelvie females are the picture of sustainability. Gelvie and Balancer cattle are early maturing with maternal superiority through increased longevity, added fertility, and more pounds of calf wean per cow exposed. Adaptable, versatile, and sustainable. All factors that have a positive impact on your bottom line. Gelvy influenced females, the smart, reliable, and profitable maternal choice for achieving sustainability in today's modern beef industry. Be sustainable, breed Gelvy. 
And we welcome you back here to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills. My guest today is Dallas Mount, owner of Ranch Management Consultants. Uh, we've had him on the show here a few times. Dallas, you've been on it, I don't know, three or four times, I think. And I appreciate you always uh, jumping in and, and uh, being on the show as you are out there on a very regular basis, not only through your schools, but even yourself, uh, grazing cattle yourself. You, you do your own thing as well, but you come at it with a lot of perspective that uh, for a lot of us, we don't we don't know. So I appreciate uh, the balance that you bring into this, the conversation on the, on some of these topics that we have. Our subject here today is principles over practice. And as we were at break here, Dallas, one of the one of the thoughts that got me to thinking about this, I think the reason that we do have a lot of folks seeking ways in which they can be have more profitable inter, or more profitable ranches is that we've got decades and decades of years of just purely focusing on the practice and it's and, and like you were saying in the first segment it's like well uh, this idea that well if it works here it's got to work on my place with the exact same we're going to add the same recipe the same exact ingredients into the deal and and i expect whatever happens in one area of the country should happen in my area of the country and i think i felt like as we were at break here that that's kind of one of the, why why you have a a pretty good living in a way and of teaching guys that you know you know you need to step away from just focusing on what what grandpa did what dad did uh and nothing against them other than things change things really yeah. do change whether it's the 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 price of, of cattle to our input costs and different things like that things have changed since 1952 and i really feel like that's the basis of what really propels essentially your business yeah yeah, well, I, I appreciate that perspective. Um, you know, it's it's an interesting thing to think about the the ways that we've done business over the time. You know, and we've been in this ranching game for a while, so we've seen seen a lot of things shift. And and I really appreciate thinking back to the generations that have come before us, and the things that they did then were right. They they worked, but those things aren't working anymore. Right. A lot of a lot of those things were based on very different economic, uh, you know, situations. So, I mean, it, you know, it's easy enough to think about, OK, what's what's a wean calf worth today and and how many wean calves would it take to buy a pickup? Mm-hmm. Right. How, how many wean calves does it take to support one full time employee today versus what it did? You know, heck, even 10 years ago, I mean, that thing's moved. Right. And and um, and the same thing can be true for crops and all those things. Right. How many how many wean calves does it take to pay your utility bill for your house? Right. Mm-hmm. To to, uh, you know, re-roof the house when it's time to be done. So so all these uh, costs of doing business and and the relationships between the products that we're producing and the cost to raise them are are constantly moving. Mm-hmm. And so we have to always be reevaluating those things. If we get stuck just doing the same thing over and over again. I mean, it's not about if your ranch will fail, it's when, when the ranch will fail. Um, so, you know, there's a great quote from Toby Holstead, and I'm not sure where Toby got it from, but he's the one I heard say it is, is he said, one of the most dangerous things to do is, is to do things the way grandpa did them. And one of the most dangerous things to do is to forget why he did things the way he did. Right. I didn't get that quite exactly yeah. right. But no, I, mean, you know I what I'm saying. Yeah, I do. <laughs> and, and I say, and when I say that comment about do what grandpa did or, or do what dad did, I don't say that. And, I, and I'm very cautious. I don't know that maybe I get that across. That's not a disrespectful statement because there's many of us that wouldn't have a ranch if grandpa didn't do what he did. That's right. Uh, <laughs> you That's know? right. So, so it's with with a lot of caution. I say that. However, like you said, we the, things change. Things have changed. Just for example, the way my dad marketed cattle, he he marketed cattle the best way there was at the time. To where I how I market cattle are different because times have changed. Technology has changed, and that's just part of that deal. So, so back to our conversation as we were talking about that a bit ago in the first segment, you were talking about some of the economic principles such as. Uh, our overheads, knowing what our overheads, identifying those overheads, uh, knowing what our, 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 what do we want to, you know, how profitable we want to be? What's that target goal? What's that going to be? That's a principle. And then gross margins as well. Let's get into gross margins a little bit and define that just a bit. 
Okay. Yeah. I'm glad you asked that. Cause that's, that's not a term that's commonly used in agriculture. Unfortunately, I'd, I'd love to change that. I mean, I, I wish that was the common coffee shop talk is yeah. what's your gross margin on this set of cows, right? Or what's your gross margin on this, on this field of corn, right? But, but let, let's define that. So the way we do gross margins and the way we teach people to do it at the ranching for profit school is step number one, we figure out our gross product. Okay. And gross product is the value of our production. Okay. Let me, let me give you an example okay. of gross products that, so that it makes sense. If I, if I'm going to go out and buy some stocker calves in the spring and I, I buy a hundred thousand dollars of stocker calves in the spring, right? Uh, bring the truck in, open the door, turn them out. And, and I'm going to sell these stocker cattle in the fall. So in the fall, I go out there, I gather up what survived the year, um, you know, put them on a truck and I sell them and I sell $130,000 of, of calves in the fall. Okay. So I bought a hundred thousand, sold 130,000. The gross product is the value I created. Okay. Now I didn't create 130,000. I bought a hundred thousand of that, right? The part I created was the 30,000. Mm-hmm. Okay. So your gross product is your value of production. Okay. What, what did you actually create? So when we do a, a cow herd, gross product is a combination of a lot of things. So because in a cow herd, there's a lot of moving parts, right? There's steer calves leaving, heifer calves leaving, call cows leaving. But then, you know, maybe there's replacement heifers staying on. Maybe there's last year's replacement heifers that are now bred heifers, last year's bred heifers that are now cows, right? So, yeah. so we've got all these moving pieces. So, uh, gross product of a cow herd is, is the sales minus the purchases with an inventory change in there, right? Mm-hmm. So we value the inventory at the beginning of the year, end of the year. Okay. So that's, I'm giving you a long-winded answer. Sorry about that. <laughs> so step number one is to calculate gross product. What's the value you created? Mm-hmm. Step number two is to total up all your direct costs. Okay. Now your direct costs are those things that change proportionally as the units of production change. So if I run one more cow, that this cost goes up by one. Mm -hmm. So the ones to think about for a cow herd would be things like fed feed, Mm -hmm. right? If I run one more cow, I'm going to buy one more ton of hay, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. If I run one more cow, I'm going to buy one more bag of mineral. Okay. So, so those things that go up proportionally, other examples, that would be like your veterinary, you know, vaccines, things like that. Um, Marketing commissions. Every time you sell one more calf, you pay one more commission, right? So we take our gross product minus our direct costs, and that leaves us our gross margin. Okay. Okay. So gross margin, it's the, it's the gross product minus the direct cost. Now, this is really important because what most people think about with their costs they take all their costs and they dump them into one bucket, right? So they're looking at what's my production minus my costs and do I have any money left over, mm-hmm. right? Well, that doesn't really tell you if those, if, if that enterprise is working, okay? The only thing that tells you that is gross margin and gross margin per unit to be more specific. So a nice example of that would be like spring cows and fall cows, Yeah. right? So if I'm actually doing those numbers, I'm going to have a gross margin per unit on my spring cows and a gross margin per unit on my fall cows. And one of those is going to be better. I I would bet Mm -hmm. one of them is significantly better. Mm -hmm. So, so that's useful information because that tells you which, how the enterprises are actually working. Mm -hmm. So let's take that a step further, Dallas, because a couple, there's a couple things with that. And I think one of them you addressed earlier when you say, well, what's your profit target? What do we need to be at the end of the year so that we are, so that we are profitable, but let's, let's go back to that. And when you get that gross margin number in most cases, we hope, (laughs) we hope that's a positive number, but just because it's a positive number doesn't necessarily mean that that's that that's working you know what i'm saying and maybe that's getting back to okay then what's our profit target so how do we how do we look at that gross margin number then i mean we can we can definitely use that gross margin number if we've got multiple enterprises to see which one's the best but maybe we're a singular uh, singular enterprise when we look at that number how do we evaluate that to know are we making it work yeah, that's a that's a great question. So so the answer is pretty simple. Does it meet your target? Okay. You know, so so if I've got you know my overheads plus my profit target of X, is that gross margin going to hit that? 
Okay. And, and if it, if it does, then we can say, okay, well now I, I kind of got the green light to, if this is what I want to do, I got the green light to do it. If it doesn't hit that, then we need to go back in and work on the enterprise, see if we can make it better. Or we go back to the drawing board and say, well, what other enterprises could I put on this that, that might have a stronger gross margin? Let, let me, you, you brought up an interesting point there, Justin. You said, we assume it's, we hope it's positive. Uh, th- this is something I've been seeing uh, more and more, and maybe it's always been going on. Maybe I've just been naive to pay attention to it. Th- there's a, a lot of excitement out there about ecology, about soil health, mm-hmm. which which I love, right? Mm-hmm. I think this is a, a great thing to be excited about. But a lot of people get excited about building soil health and about getting good at their grazing so that they can run more animals, whatever they're doing, right? Mm-hmm. If they're running cows, if they're running stalkers, they're like, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get good at building soil health. I'm gonna get good at grazing so I can run more cows. Okay. Well, I've come into some of these pictures and and we actually dig in and look at their gross margins. And sometimes their gross margins are negative. Oh wow. Right. So yeah. So if if you're saying, well I'm gonna I'm currently running 200 cows and I'm gonna get good at my grazing and I'm gonna run 400 and you've got a negative gross margin. Well, what's going to happen when you hit the gas on an enterprise that has a negative gross margin? Mm-hmm. You're you're going to go broke faster, mm-hmm. right? So so it's really important, as, you know. And and I think oftentimes people just assume, well, my cows are working or whatever I'm doing is working. And I think that's a dangerous assumption. If you actually don't know what those gross margins are of, of whatever enterprise you're doing, run them. And and then next year run them again because markets are going to change and put prices are going to change just because they were. You know, I have some people that told me, well, I ran my margins three years ago and they were $350. Well, heck, the way the markets have been moving this year, if you ran those numbers six months ago, you're you're behind. I mean, mm-hmm. they've changed drastically. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's a good point. That's that's an interesting perspective. And I and as we get into our next segment, folks, we're going to take a break here. I'm going to we're going to go a little bit further into something that Dallas said that sparked my uh, question that I wrote down here. Uh, I'll share that question with you all and with him when we come back here. You're listening to the Working Ranch Radio Show. Every year you pick your replacement heifers. Some become profitable cows. Others disappoint. How can you make more reliable selections? Genetic testing. Commercial cow-calf producers like you are using Inherit Select from Zoetis. You gain valuable predictions, including cow fertility, size and soundness, feed efficiency, growth and carcass merit, as well as easy-to-use economic indexes. This improves your selection, breeding, and marketing decisions. Request a call from InheritProgress.com and ask about free TSUs to get you started. And we welcome you back here to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills. My guest today, Dallas Mount, owner of Ranch Management Consultants. Uh, as we were talking about, he meets with a lot of producers throughout the course of a 12-month period and, and, and through his uh, career as uh, a teacher and now owner of Ranch Management Consultants with ranchers all across the country uh, with the Ranching for Profit School and also their Executive Link program. And our topic here today that we're talking is principles over practice. And as we were talking in the first segment, the, the you know, the, the element of of applying principles, those principles can be applied to wherever you're at in the country where practices could be a little bit different and you have to be adapting to those things. Uh, as you were finishing up in our last segment, Dallas, you were talking, it touched a little bit on soil management and it got me to think in this and and I, and as we were talking a bit in the break, I, I'm not going to downplay the, the importance of that we are as ranchers and our industry managing our soil and doing what we can from uh, from grazing principles that are benefit to our soil health but one of the things that I, I i was thinking about a little bit is in different times of our industry there's fads that come through and i feel like as you were talking about that that sometimes there's a focus on the fads and when in reality there's not a focus on the principles and if we want to try to keep for ourselves from getting caught up in the fads there might be some things that are that are very valid but if we want to not get caught up in the fads and lose our hind end in the fads, we really have to focus on the principles. Yeah, that's that's interesting, Justin. As as uh, I've been playing this game now for a few decades, it's uh, there's been a lot of things that have kind of come and gone, right? You know, we we get an interest on something, and it feels like everybody's running to that, 
And then in a few years, you know, some of those things are a flash in the pan and and they're out. And I, I don't think by any means the soil health thing is going to be a flash in the pan. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, some of the practices around the soil health stuff, we're probably going to learn, well, that that was a distraction, right? But yes. Uh, yes. the principles, and I, I really want to take my hat off to the Soil Health Academy, Understanding Ag, those that group that's come up with those soil health principles. I mean, those are those are truths, right? Mm-hmm. They're they're foundational. But a lot of these practices around that are are probably going to be, well, we tried that and you know, now we're <laughs> on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the things that I appreciate, and and I know you know Burke Tiger. Mm-hmm. I've always looked up to Burke and and what he's done. Um he he's always impressed me that he's a lifelong learner, right? And and he's got his eye on the next thing, right? He's always looking over the horizon to see to see what's coming, and uh, and I really appreciate that. And I look up to people that are doing that because I I often catch myself being dismissive of things that are coming along mm-hmm. before I really should be being dismissive of those, right? You know, mm-hmm. I think it, there's a there's a point to say, well, let's let's pay attention to that. Let's let's read on it and let's study on it. Let's watch what's going on. But oftentimes my reaction is, well, you know, I've been around here for, you know, 20 something years. I I know what's going on. This isn't the case. This is never this doesn't fit my model and you you can dismiss it too quickly, right? And that that oftentimes does you does you a disservice because now you're missing something that could really be a learning opportunity for you. So I think there's a balance jumping on every new thing that comes down the road um, and and also being letting yourself be dismissive. And I mentioned Burke and one of my favorite quotes from Burke is is he said, I don't need to be on the cutting edge all the time. But I at least want to be on the blade. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah. He, he doesn't need to be the first guy through the shoot. Right. Mm-hmm. Taking all the arrows. But but you at least want to be paying attention, right? Mm-hmm. If if you could draw like a like a curve, you know, the natural yeah. bell curve, right? I, I want to be out there in that upper 20%, right? Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily need to be on the 1% lunatic fringe, right? Mm-hmm. But but I I sure don't want to be back in the middle of the bell curve because in agriculture, you're you're 10 years behind if you're in the middle of the bell curve. Yeah. Folks, you know, our, our conversation here today, principles over practice, if it feels like you're wondering, well, what are you talking about? We, 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 we talked in the first segment as Dallas described the basically defined a principle over a practice. A principle is a truth. It's something that can be applied no matter what the situation, whereas the practice is how you apply the principle. And that allows then that truth or that principle to be applied in many different facets for different folks. And and that to that to be workable. As we were talking about in the first segment, from a management standpoint, there's economic principles such as you know figuring out what your overhead is, your gross margin, your profit targets. As we were talking about there, different elements within our ranches for all of us, whether it's the economic side, the business side of it, whether it's our our soil management side, whether it's our livestock production side, each of those have principles, and we're not able to get into all of those today because as as Dallas was saying, you know one of the first things is we need to know economically where we're at. Dallas, let's do step into one side. We were talking a little bit about soil health a bit ago. Let's talk about some grazing principles. As we know, we can't get into every facet of management here today on a ranching situation, but grazing principles do have a big impact in terms of our overall production of our ranches. Yes, let, let's do it. So we've, we've got the five grazing principles that we teach at the school. Uh, these have been, you know, really these have been taught now for almost 40 years by by ranch management consultants. I I didn't necessarily come up with them. Um, we have, as our instructors sat down recently and and reshaped these, reworded some things. You know, we felt like, hey, this will make this a little bit stronger. So uh, if these are different from what you guys have heard in the past, uh, it's because we just kind of did a, a freshen up on these principles. But uh, but they're really very very similar to what we've been teaching for the mm-hmm. for the last 40 years. Okay, so let's just go through them real okay. quick. And and I think what what one of the beauties of principles is they work everywhere, right? These work in every environment. Okay. So how you apply these might look very different. But, okay. uh, so principle number one with Gray's principles is plan, monitor, manage. Okay. You, if you don't have a plan going into the growing season, right, you're already behind. Okay, so where are we going to be grazing? How long are we going to be there? How many animal units are we planning on taking out of that? Now, absolutely, that plan is going to change, right? We don't we don't chisel that plan in stone tablets and fall and fall on our sword following it, right? We we make a plan for what we think might happen, 
And then as the year unfolds, we start adjusting that and replanning, which comes into the monitor and manage piece, right? So as you're grazing, we're always doing those things, plan, monitor, manage. Okay, principle number two, allow the plants appropriate recovery. Okay. And we talked earlier in the segment about how that's going to be very different depending on the different environments. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Recovery is so key into building plant health, building ecosystem health, right? It is allowing appropriate recovery in all these systems. So uh, the next one is the graze period. And it's graze period as short as possible. Okay. Get the graze period as short as possible. Now, we understand there's practical limitations to that. Right. If you're ranching in the red desert of Wyoming, it probably is not going to make sense to build infrastructure development to get one day grace grace mm-hmm. periods. Mm-hmm. It's just just not practical. Right. Um, if you're ranching in, you know, a 65 inch precip zone, well, that's probably going to pay. Right. Mm-hmm. So and then everybody else is going to be on the spectrum somewhere between those things. Right. Mm-hmm. So uh, but the, the graze period, the shorter we get the graze period, the better. And it's better for animal performance. It's better for the plants. It's better for recovery. It's better for roots. It's better for soil. Okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the next one is related to stock density. And the principle is the stock density, the higher, the better. OK. okay? So so stock density is about how many animals we have in a given space. Okay, mm-hmm. so it doesn't have anything to do. People often confuse stock density with severity of graze. Okay, okay, we can have really high stock density and still graze things lightly. Okay, mm-hmm. we can have really low stock density and graze things extremely heavy. Right, the, the example of that would be one horse on a half section of land. Mm-hmm. Right, really low stock density, but they're grazing the same plants over and over and over again. Okay. Um, so, so stock density, the higher, the better. Now, again, there's practical limitations here, right? Mm-hmm. If, if you're taking in, you know, cattle that are not used to being managed this way, they're going to get very uncomfortable at really high stock densities and you're going to cause animal stress, right? And then our, our own abilities with stockmanship are often going to be a limiting factor of that, right? Facility yeah. design yeah. are going to yeah. be limiting factors. Mm-hmm. So, yep. so there's a whole bunch of, of things that, that are behind that, mm-hmm. um, the last principle I'll give you today around around the grazing principles are match stocking rate and carrying capacity. Okay? Stocking rate is a measure of our demand and carrying capacity is a measure of our supply. So it's essentially saying we need a way to match supply and demand. Okay? And, and that in, in most all ranching environments that we work in, it's about being flexible. Mm-hmm. There's going to be years like the year you and I are having this yeah. year, Justin, I mean, we could be, you know, calling in more trucks, right, to <laughs> yeah. bring bring more critters because the rains have come right. Mm-hmm. They've come at the right time. Our temperatures have been great. Yeah, two years ago, it was a completely different story, right? You know, so so we need ways to be flexible with our stocking strategy. We need ways to ramp things down when when droughts occur, uh, when other events happen, and then we need ways to to you know let's make hay while the sun's shining when when grass is growing. So 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 those are some of the grazing principles for you. Uh, they work in every environment. How you implement them will look very different, uh, but the principles work. Mm-hmm. Boy, Dallas, you know, I feel like sometimes as humans, we almost need to fight our nature of what we want to do and almost do the opposite with some of this kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a great point. You know, it, it, you have to remember, though, that w- why are we in business, right? What are we doing this for? And and sometimes it, you know, making all these changes and moving things can can sometimes take some of the fun out of it. So if, if you're in a stage where, hey, you know, I'm I'm pretty comfortable with how things are. I've kind of got what I need to. Doesn't mean we need to go pulling the rug out from under it. But but at the same time, if you're wanting somebody to follow you. And to build on what you've developed and what you've built, uh, you, you better recognize they're going to need to do things differently than what you've done. Right. Mm-hmm. So so having that attitude of uh, of looking at things, evaluating things, being open to change. You know, if uh, if we're all managing our businesses for just the enjoyment of the senior generation, well, right, those mm-hmm. those businesses aren't going to be around very long. Yeah. But if yeah. we're if we're allowing you know, some adaptivity in there and, and some new ideas brought in. And uh, I, I wonder, I just thought of this, what, mm-hmm. what, what percent of ideas implemented on the place should fail? 
I think that's an interesting question, yeah. right? If you're, if a hundred percent of the ideas that you implement on the place are, are working, well, you're probably not trying very hard. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think there should be a percentage of your ideas that you're Im- implementing that you think, well, that was dumb. Let's go back to the drawing board. <laughs> right? yeah. Well, well, and I think, and that's, and just that mindset of, of not being okay with failure uh, stifles the people. And I'm speaking from my own experience. I'm not pointing fingers at other people. I'm, I'm saying that's what stifled me sometimes of making it a change. It's just, well, I, if, if I'm going to do this, I don't want to fail at it. And that's a terrible mind way to look at it. Yeah. yeah, there probably should be a percentage of them that don't work or you're not you're not getting yeah. deep enough into them. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And when you said that, you're like, man, we should just just know that uh, there should be a percentage that's going to fail. And, and that's OK. Everybody needs to know that's OK to do that. So yeah. as we look at this and wrap up here, Dallas, you were talking about, you know, just the continual. The principles stay the same. The practices uh, can change uh, for either location, part of the country at or over time. The practices can change. And I feel, uh, you know, for, for some folks are like, okay, I'm willing to make those changes or I'm willing to uh, adapt these principles and move forward. They do that for three or four years. And then we just kind of slump back into that rut again of like, well, I got it figured out three years ago. So we're just going to keep doing that. And, and that's, and, and that would be the thing of, as you were mentioning a bit about Burke Tykert and saying, always having a mind of wanting to learn. I think if, if that's the way we can look at, at our ranches of always saying, okay, I'm always out there learning. I, I don't have it figured out. I'm always looking at ways to adapt and to learn. That's, that's a very healthy mindset. Yeah. Yeah. And I think anytime we feel like we've got it figured out, we need to slap ourselves in the face, right? Because there's there's something that's going to come that's going to give us a curveball that we're going to need to be on to. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I agree. That's a healthy mindset. You bet. Well, Dallas, I appreciate you joining us here on the show. Uh, I know you're in the summer break here a little bit. School's going to be starting up probably this fall. Maybe you've had some here a little bit in the summer, but I know the EL groups have probably been meeting through the summertime, uh, kind of getting things lined up for the fall run. We are. And we actually have more enrollments now than we have for, for quite some time. So uh, we're getting ready to do a school in Kennewick, Washington in September. Uh, and then we've got a couple schools in December. Uh, one is in um, Texas. We got another one in Phoenix. Uh, we'll actually be up in, in Canada as well in December. That school's already full. Uh, but uh, we've got a lot of them coming up. Uh, we've got a price change that takes effect August 1. And if you enroll before then, uh, we give you last year's pricing. So uh, if people are wanting to come to the school, uh, you better get your deposits made and on there because if you wait till after the 1st of August, you're going to be paying the new higher price. Okay, sounds good. Well, uh, Dallas, again, their website, Ranch Management Consultants, if you want to find out more information. Dallas, thanks for joining us here today on the Working Ranch Radio Show. You bet, Justin. I really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks for having me on. You bet. Dallas Mount, my guest here today, owner of Ranch Management Consultants, as they are the ones that host and put on the Ranching for Profit schools. We've talked about those uh, from time to time. I reference that on our program. If you are interested in those schools, you can sure go to their website at ranchmanagement.com. Well, stay with us. Meteorologist Don Day steps in next as we take a look at our long-term weather when we return on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Do you have a young child, grandchild, niece, or nephew that loves the weather and wants to learn more? Day Weather has produced a children's weather journal full of weather facts, fun weather experiments, coloring pages, and pages to record weather observations for every season of the year. The weather journal is for ages 3 to 7 and designed to be fun and educational. The interactive weather projects are fun for the whole family to take part in. For only $10, the Day Weather Weather Journal is a great gift idea for any occasion. Click on our Amazon link to order at dayweather.com. And we're back. This is the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills as we head now into taking a look at our long-term weather today. Brought to you by AllFlex. Cattle identification and record keeping should be easy. Now you can tie your visual tag, your EID tag, and your genetic data to one management number with the AllFlex match set. To find out more, go to their website. You can find it at allflexusa.com. And joining us as he does each and every week is meteorologist Don Day with a look at our long-term weather. And Don, as we look ahead for uh, getting in now, we are in the month of July and looking ahead into that. It's really setting up the way the the highs and the lows uh, are sitting in such a way that we're going to see that western half of the country really see some heat and it kind of stretching still back down into the southern tier of the U.S. 
Yeah, what has developed over the last couple of weeks is this high-pressure dome that's over the far southern United States has brought the heat to Texas and the Gulf Coast. And uh, we're starting to see that high pressure build and grow a little bit more to the north, but it's really wanting to grow more westward. Now, this is nothing unusual. Usually this time of year, we do have some type of high pressure ridge that develops over the nation's midsection. And it kind of meanders east and west, but it's being suppressed more to the south and west uh, than maybe we would have in a normal summer due to a big area of low pressure that's up near Hudson Bay, Canada. That area of low pressure up there is quite large, and it's really not moving very much, and neither is the high-pressure ridge that's in the south and the southwestern United States. So it's kind of a battle of wills between that area of low pressure in Canada that's sending cooler-than-average air into the northern plains, the east slopes into the Rockies and into the upper Midwest, and even into the Corn Belt and Great Lakes. Those areas... Uh, really have not seen any big summer heat yet. You know, nothing that's lasted more than a couple of days. And the heat that's in the south and southwest is going to expand and grow to the west. So Arizona, New Mexico, parts of Utah, Nevada, California, as well as Washington, Oregon, and into Idaho, there's going to be heat in those areas I just mentioned. Mm -hmm. But you get on the other side of the mountains into the plain states, well, that temperature air pattern is going to remain below average as we go into the next couple of weeks. And in between, you kind of get a little bit of both. So the end result is the hottest weather will be in the south and the southwest and the far west. Mm-hmm. So a couple of questions here as we're where we're seeing the collision between the Canadian part of the of what we're seeing in our weather versus that hot area in the southwest. The in-between area that you were talking about east of the continental divide that's going to be cooler than normal. Are they also going to be seeing more moisture than above normal? Well, the the answer is yes, uh, and the reason for that is is that uh, it's right along that frontal boundary, and that to, where that collision of air masses is going to be is where we're going to see the best chance of showers and thunderstorms. So what that means is that uh, a lot of the Dakotas, Nebraska, Kansas, eastern Colorado, eastern Wyoming, and Montana, down into East Texas, and then across the central and southern Corn Belt states, uh, it looks pretty wet. And that wetness is also going to continue into the southeastern areas of the United States. Mm-hmm. So basically from the Plain states to the East Coast, in that cooler air mm-hmm. is where the most active rain patterns are going to be. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then the second question on the on, with, with, with this moisture uh, question would be so you talked about starting to see a little bit more activity with the monsoon with the way the weather is down and the movement of the atmosphere in the southwestern part of the country will it while it is still hot will it be seeing any moisture occasionally with that movement yeah now one thing that is going to help along that monsoon moisture pattern is this heat it sounds a little counterintuitive mm-hmm. but when you heat up the deserts like it's going on right now that does create a natural area of low pressure near the ground that draws higher humidity air out of Mexico and Central America northward. And we see this. Now, we've we've been talking about how it's certainly off to a late start, and it is. But we do see that by this weekend and into the early to middle parts of next week, I do see Arizona, New Mexico getting into a better chance of showers and thunderstorms. So it starts this weekend and it goes into next week. And gradually that moisture will start to spread more northward. But the placement of that high pressure ridge and that placement of that low up in Canada in the next week or two will really dictate where that best flow of moisture will be. Okay. All right. Well, that's a pretty good cover across the country here today on our weather. So appreciate you joining us here, giving us an outlook on our what we're expecting to see here in the next seven to 10 days. Sounds good. Again, meteorologist Don Day joining us each and every week as he does. His website can be found at dayweather.com where you can find his daily video podcast that he kicks out every Monday through Friday morning. Our weather today brought to you by AllFlex. Cattle identification and record keeping should be easy. To find out more, go to their website at allflexusa.com. Well, stay with us. Coming up, as we wrap up our program, I'll tell you what's in store for next week's show when we return on the Working Rancher radio show.
couple weeks ago, the captain mentioned the latest BQA audit was out. We're going to talk with folks next week on that. Be sure to tune in on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Thank you to our sponsors here today. All Flex, Inherit Select from Zoetis, the American Galvey Association, MLS Tubs, and Tank Toad. The Working Ranch Radio Show is a production of Working Ranch Magazine, branded number one by America's Ranchers. The summer issue is out. If you don't have it, you can go to their website at workingranchmag.com and you can get your subscription started today. Always plumb full of great articles, great pictures. I encourage you to go through that. 150 years this year that the American Angus Association is celebrating. You can read more about it in the summer issue of Working Ranch Magazine. If you'd like to get a hold of me, you can do it by calling or texting my phone number 307-363-COWS or my email justin.workingranch at gmail.com. Join us next week at the same time. I'm your host, Justin Mills. And until next time, keep your chin down and your mind in the middle. So long.